right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. We don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Lane Gillespie. I am Derek Johnson, day away from your Friday, almost the weekend here on RCST. We are going to be joined by Michael Swain coming up at 440 here. We've got two more fun editions of RCST Trivia. We've got our KU Mailbag. If you want to get any last questions in, you can hit me up at D Johnson Radio or on our Twitter page for the show, at RCST1320, and we'll try to get to those questions. DraftKings Sportsbook is coming to the Sunflower State to celebrate. All new customers will receive $100 in free bets when you sign up using code KLWN. Plus, one lucky customer will win a $100,000 free bet. You know, I was looking at some uh, Heisman odds uh, prior to today's show, and I was going back and, and taking a look at, you know, some of the, the previous Heisman winners. And if you just go back over the college football playoff, n- that would give you eight years of data. Playoff started in 2014. None of the eight Heisman winners were the preseason favorite. Really? Only... I, I guess this is about a 50-50, but three of the eight were top three in preseason odds. Uh, Baker Mayfield, Ooh. Bryce Young last year, and I want to say Marcus Mariota were the three. Six of the eight were quarterbacks. That's no surprise right. there. And honestly, if you go back further, it's a heavier split of uh, quarterbacks. And Isn't pretty it, much, so you said it's all six QBs quarterbacks and, and then like one running back, and I think there was yep. a receiver as Derrick well. Henry and Devontae yep. Smith. So I guess if you're an Alabama player, you can be whatever position <laughs> you want to be. Uh, seven of the eight were on a team that made the college football playoff. The only exception there is Lamar Jackson, and none of the eight repeated. So that would eliminate Bryce Young. Um, the preseason favorite thing would eliminate C.J. Stroud. If you want to pick a top three guy, I guess that leaves Caleb Williams. Um, but I don't think USC is going to be in the playoff. Try to figure out who the fourth team in the playoff is going to be. I don't know. I don't love the Clemson offense. I so don't love that. I said the other day, maybe Miami could be a, a sleeper, a dark horse. They're ranked in the top 20. You know, they, they play Clemson at home. Maybe they sneak their way into the ACC title game. Tyler Van Dyke, really good quarterback. That's my pick yeah. at twenty-five to one. So, wow, okay. Uh, there's that. That's a, a long way of going about this. But once again, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Sign up with code KLWN to get one hundred dollars in free bets to use once mobile sports betting hits Kansas. Plus, one customer will win a one hundred thousand dollar free bet. That's code KLWN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. Twenty-one and older. Physically present in Kansas. Eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com slash sportsbook subject to regulatory licensing requirements. One per customer, $100 issued as four $25 bets. No purchase necessary for sweepstake. Void where prohibited. Ends first day. DraftKings is allowed to operate in Kansas. See terms at DKNG.co slash KS. So one thing I wanted to look at today. There's been a lot of talk, and we've had it here, and... um. Is Jalen Daniels the top half quarterback in the Big 12? And if he is, what does that specifically mean for KU? 
So I wanted to go back and and I looked at the past five seasons just to give a you know good enough sample size here of quarterbacks in the Big Twelve top half quarterbacks. Now you can view this a bunch of different ways. You could just go through the the starting quarterbacks each year and just rank them who you think were the top guys who were not. You could rank them by you know quarterback rating. You could rank them by average yards per attempt, TD and interception ratio, whatever you want to do. I took it as QBR. So ESPN has that total QBR metric, which is a scale of zero to a hundred. It takes into account, not just the stats and everything, but it takes into account, you know, down and distance of the throw. If it was third and seven and I had a four yard completion, I'm not going to get as many, as much credit for that as if it was third and two. And I had a four yard completion, right? Like it takes all that in the score and everything. Um, And I believe the, the end goal, the idea there is that whatever your QBR number is basically equates to that performance that you had in that game over the course of time, quarterbacks that have had that performance, they win this percentage of the time. So if you have a you know a 90 QBR, you're helping your team win whatever, 90% of the time, just in theory. Um, so I took a look at that over the past five years, total QBR in the conference. And one thing that I found is that the real cutoff here is top six quarterbacks in the Big 12, which mm. top half would technically be top five. But entertain me here. Well, we'll be six and we in do a few top years. six. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so <laughs> that's even better, right? Um, close enough to top half. And again, if Jalen Daniels this year ended up being the sixth best quarterback in the Big 12, we're splitting hairs over whether he's top half or not. So I don't really care about that. So, yes, let, let's go with top six here. Last season, 2021, here were the top half quarterbacks in QBR in the Big 12. And and again, there are certain times where um, like guys might not have qualified or multiple guys qualified for a team because it's based on the amount of like passes thrown per game played, stuff like that. Caleb Williams was the number one rated quarterback in the Big 12. And what I kept track of here, I didn't want to keep track of the non-conference wins because non-conference is always slated different for different schools. Some teams might play an FCS team and, and a MAC team and a Sunbelt team or something. Some teams might play two Power 5 teams and uh, a MAC team or something. So I just wanted to look at, at, at conference-only wins. And from a KU standpoint, if you can get to one conference win, that should put you in the range of two to three overall wins. If you get two conference wins, three to four, and, and so forth, so on. So Caleb Williams... Had the number one total QBR in the Big 12. Oklahoma won seven conference games. Skylar Thompson was number two. K-State won four conference games. But keep in mind, Skylar Thompson also dealt with injuries. Otherwise, maybe that would have been five or six. But even then, if you told me KU was going to win four conference games, you're sitting pretty well. Jerry Bohannon at Baylor. He was third. They won seven. Brock Purdy. He was fourth. They won five. Spencer Sanders was fifth. They won eight. And then Max Duggan was sixth at TCU. He won three, but again, he was injured and missed some time, missed some games. But if we average out those top six quarterbacks by QBR, they averaged almost a little over five and a half wins in just Big 12 play. The low was three, but in the top five, it's five. And even then, if I say that, yeah, Jalen Daniels is going to be the sixth best quarterback in the Big 12 and they'll win three conference games, that would be the most conference wins that KU has had, I believe, since 2008. Because even in 2009, when they won five games, I think they only won two conference games. Um, and 
that probably gets you to, I mean, at least four wins, probably five, maybe even six. Who knows? So that would be a good number. Now let's look at the bottom half from last year. You had Casey Thompson at Texas, Jared Dagey at West Virginia, Jason Bean at Kansas slash Jalen Daniels, I guess. And then just the Texas Tech starters, they had a bunch of injuries. They played a bunch of different guys like Tyler Shug and all these guys. Um, Casey Thompson had three wins. Daigie had four. Bean had slash KU had one. Texas Tech had three. So the average for the bottom four QBs was under three wins per game. You notice a big difference there? That was about double the amount of wins for guys who were top half quarterbacks. And the high was four. Let's look at 2020. Spencer Rattler was number one at Oklahoma. Brock Purdy was number two at Iowa State. Sam Ellinger was number three at Texas. Max Duggan, four at TCU. Spencer Sanders, five at Oklahoma State. Jared Dagey was six at West Virginia. Here's the order of wins, respectively, in the Big 12. Six, eight, five, five, six, four. Once again, we average that all up. The average amount of Big 12 wins for the top six quarterbacks was five. Point seven, little over five and a half wins in Big 12 play. Low again of of uh, around three or four. It was four this time. But again, if you take the top half, it goes up to five. Then we look at the bottom half. The Texas Tech quarterbacks, Alan Bowman, Henry Columbia, they had three. Charlie Brewer had two. Will Howard had four. And that could have even been less because Skylar Thompson, again, got hurt that year. Jalen Daniels, zero. The average of the bottom four QBs in the Big 12 was 2.3. I mean, the other thing to keep in mind, that was the COVID year, and some mm-hmm. people got screwed over with like over position, with other positions and stuff like that. However, I mean, I think the, I think the quarterbacks did really stand out, especially in the top half of 2020. I mean, they were, they were pretty dominant. Spencer Rattler was a sight to behold, in my opinion, for that season. And then he kind of fell apart next year, but that's another conversation for another day. Yeah, and again, top six quarterbacks averaged over five and a half Big 12 wins. Bottom four averaged under two and a half. So big difference there. And this all makes sense. Quarterback's the most important position. Um, You need good quarterback play. You just do. 2019, go back another year. Top six quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, Sam Ellinger, Jet Duffy, Brock Purdy, Skylar Thompson, Charlie Brewer. Jet Duffy is the biggest exception of this entire thing we did. They won just two games at Texas Tech. But Hurts got eight, Ellinger got five, Purdy got five, Skylar Thompson got five, Charlie Brewer got eight. That's an average of five and a half wins in the Big 12 for the top half. And then the bottom half, you have Spencer Sanders, Carter Stanley, Max Duggan, Austin Kendall. They averaged out to three wins in Big 12 play. But even then, like I said, because Jet Duffy at two at Texas Tech, that is the one albatross of all this data I looked at. Even then, if I told you Kansas is going to get two Big 12 wins, that means they're going to win three, four, or five games this year. I think you would take that, right? Mm-hmm. 2018, Kyler Murray. Helped Oklahoma to eight. Will Greer helped West Virginia to six. Taylor Cornelius had helped Oklahoma State to three, but it wasn't always him, and he was injured at times. So, again, that one's kind of weird. Sam Ellinger at seven. Brock Purdy at six. Charlie Brewer at four. If you combine the top six, you end up with over five and a half wins on average in Big 12 play by the top six. Bottom half, Texas Tech quarterbacks, Skylar Thompson, Sean Robinson at TCU, Peyton Bender. They all averaged under three Big 12 wins. Um, once again, pretty much double the top six guys to the bottom four for just average. And then 2017, the last year of this five-year sample I looked at, you have Baker Mayfield with eight, Mason Rudolph with six, Will Greer with five, Kyle Kemp at Iowa State with five, Nick Shimanek at Texas Tech with three, and Kenny Hill 
with seven of them. The average, once again, for those top six quarterbacks, 5.7 wins in the Big 12. The bottom half, or the bottom four, I should say, Kansas State QBs had five. Charlie Brewer and Zach Smith with one. Sam Ellinger, Shane Bouchelle with five. Peyton Bender, Carter Stanley with zero. The bottom four averaged 2.8 wins. So once again, the top six averaged more than double the amount of Big 12 wins that the bottom four had. So what does this all mean? I, I think part of this you do have to admit. Anytime you have good quarterback play, it is going to be boosted up by the players around you. If you have better receivers, you have better offensive line, you have better running backs, it's going to set you up into more kind areas. It's going to lead to better stats. If you have better stats, you might be seen as a better quarterback. It's a bit of chicken and egg situation, but the best quarterbacks raise the team's floors. They raise Mm -hmm. the team's ceilings as well. So just to to average this all up and, and to give you a you know, full number, because a lot of that I went through might just be kind of word soup and statistic soup and everything. Over the last five seasons in the Big 12, the average win total of the top six quarterbacks in the conference by QBR are averaging five and a half conference wins. QBs outside of the top six so the 7th through 10th or whatever best quarterback in the Big 12 by QBR, are averaging just over two and a half wins. That's a very sizable jump. So let's take this back to the opening question. If Jalen Daniels is a top half, and we'll just call it top six quarterback in the Big Mm -hmm. 12, it's hard to envision this team, to be honest, being three wins or less. If Jalen Daniels is a top six quarterback in the Big 12, I feel very certain that KU will win four more games. I mean, there are a lot, a lot of circumstances that could tie into Kansas winning less than five. Because, I mean, uh, here's the thing. Here's the only issue that I have with this whole thing. You could kind of say the same thing about another guy on offense or something like that. How what do you this mean? guy like oh this guy averaged like this guy is this team's running back mm-hmm. did this this and this but I think that's the point. quarterback wins. is just such a more important position well that's the thing that well, I was going to say that's the thing that I'm trying to keep in mind and also let's bear in mind the talent level that was in the top six over the past five years there are a couple of Heisman winners mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and I'll be at the same school but still top half quarterbacks, top six quarterbacks. I mean, obviously the top quarterback in the country, top player in the country, but, you know, the Big 12 always, you know, has those high level of quarterbacks and Kansas is always in the bottom of them. Now, it is kind of just hard to believe that KU could win at least five games just because there has, basically, here's what I'm trying to say with all of this. There has been stuff outside of the quarterback spot that has kind of screwed KU over. And that's the only thing that I'm trying to keep in mind because, yeah, you could still win a bunch of games with a really good quarterback. However, things just have to click anywhere and everywhere for the team to succeed. Yeah, so two things on that. One, I'm not at all saying KU is going to win five Big 12 games if – 
Jalen Daniels is top six. I'm, I'm saying they could win four games overall. So that could mm-hmm. be two conference games. You right. know what I mean? I, I guess the point here is that if he is a top six quarterback, the floor of how many games you're going to win is not one or two. Like, if he is a top six quarterback, like, if you think Jalen Daniels is going to be a top six quarterback this year, you shouldn't follow that up by being, yeah, but I think they're going to go two and ten. If I you agree. think he's going to be a top six quarterback, and again, like, to your point, there are other things that go into that because he could theoretically be a top six quarterback, but the statistical output does not lead to a top six quarterback season because the offensive line doesn't block good enough for him or they're not good enough receivers or they don't set him up in in down and distances enough with the running game to make it easier to convert on third downs. Like all those things are very much possible that he could end up with the ninth best QBR. But realistically, like if you were having a, a draft of quarterbacks, he would go six. That's just that the the other pieces around him weren't there. So you're right on that. I think what just what I'm trying to say is that I, I I believe if he is a top six quarterback, the the floor is three or four wins over the entire season and at least two conference wins. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I just think the uh, you know just think about this. I think the ceiling is now much higher if he is a top six quarterback. Yeah, I, I I think that's where I'm at. If he is a top six quarterback and this stuff all proves out, they're gonna win four or five games. Uh, overall, if he's not, if he's a bottom four, I think you're probably looking at two or three wins or maybe even the doomsday scenario where there's one, just kind of depending how that all looks about. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. We'll have our KU mailbag coming up in about 15, 20 minutes from right now. Michael Swain will join us at 440. We've got a couple more episodes of RCST Trivia. All that coming up later in the show. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN's Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Thanks for joining us today on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, a couple more matchups of RCST trivia. And we've also got Michael Swain of Fog.net who will join us with Lane Gillespie. I'm Derek Johnson here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We have our KU mailbag. If you want to get any last-second questions in, no promises that I'll see them once we get going here. But uh, you can hit us up at RCST1320. To be honest, I don't know if we'll get through everything that we currently have. But uh, nonetheless, Lane, can you give us some music here on this uh, mailbag? Well, I can certainly try. Cool. Yeah, no, All I right. totally will. <laughs> so the first question is from Ben. He asks, would you rather Kansas in a decade span win the football national championship with no other bowl seasons? So of the 10 seasons, nine seasons where you didn't win six games or didn't go to a bowl for whatever reason, the other one you win a national championship, or have 10 bowl seasons in a row, but you never make a New Year's Six Bowl in that time span. This um, one's easy for me. What is it for you? It's because a national I'm, I'm championship. I, the thing is, I don't know. Because, yeah, the national championship is nice and all, but then it would, in the end, it would just look like a fluke. Would it not? No, it looked like a national championship. <laughs> yeah, but the, the other nine years, they suck. That's but, the thing. <laughs> okay, if... I'm trying to think of a good I don't, example. Like, like the thing is, I would like the win totals to be like. I, here's here's the thing: the national championship is awesome. 
but I, I kind of cringe at the thought of the win totals for each season being one, four, three, two, twelve. I mean, technically, you could have five four, the other seasons. Five, uh, uh, yeah, but I See, just, I just, I don't think I don't it would know. be something though where somebody would go back and be like, ah, they only won five games the next season. That take away their title, like. Everybody would know you. You would have to win the playoff, right? You'd have to win the Big Twelve. You'd have to win the Big Twelve championship. You'd have to beat two teams in the playoff. Like people yeah. would know you were just. It's kind of like like LSU. LSU. Here's the good example with Joe Burrow and everything, right? That 2019 team, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. They lit up the scoreboard. You know, one of the greatest college football teams we've seen uh, of the last couple decades of our lifetime. Whatever you want to say. Since then, I'm trying to think. They won only a couple games after the title game in the the COVID season last year. And they've struggled. They, I mean, what did they do? They even go to a bowl game last year? I don't think yeah, so. they did. They oh, did. They no, did? they they lost to Kansas State in the bowl game. I right. think they were yeah, six yeah. or seven win team. Right. I I'm not looking back at it now and going can you know that LSU team asterisk for their national title like it it still stands. It I'm just sucks saying, after, but I, I I get where you're coming from. I'm just in my mind. I'm just thinking. The one twelve win season or thirteen win season or something like that, and then the the other nine you have an average of two wins. Yeah, I just I give me the title because here's okay. my thing. That that banner is going to fly forever, and or I don't know what it would be at, at the bat at the football field. It's not a banner; it's just like an etching they, they in, the, could, in the wall. They, they probably could turn into a huge banner. Where would you put it, though? There wouldn't be anything Outside. to hang it off of. You know? I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what you would do with that. Uh, nonetheless, like, you would always remember that season. And just the, the pure comedy, like, that almost makes it better, to be honest, if I'm thinking about it. Like, if you could tell me that. That's fair, yeah. Imagine if Kansas <laughs> is winning two, three, four games for four years. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they go 14-0 and or 15-0, and whatever it would be, win the college football playoff, and then the next four years, like, nobody would be able to comprehend what just <laughs> happened. They would be so shocked and surprised. And I think in a, a world of college football where we don't have enough parity, that would give everyone hope. I think it would. I, I, I can, Okay, I can agree with you on that one. <laughs> now, the one caveat I will say here, the other option here is to have 10 bowl seasons but there's no New Year's Six Bowl. That makes it tough for me because I think I, right now you're yearning so hard for a bowl game if you're Kansas. But if you go seven straight seasons and every year you're going six, seven, eight wins and you're you're playing in the Cheez-It Bowl four times in a five-year span, eventually you're going to be like, all right, can we raise the bar? Can we like I, I'm not saying we got to go to a, a New Year's Six Bowl every year. Can we maybe make a New Year's Six Bowl like once every decade or something if we're going to a bowl game? Okay. Like that's going to get a little frustrating because you're going to start having those losses where it's like, oh, we can't get over the hump, right? So if you did add the caveat where it's or have 10 bowl seasons in a row and one of them is a New Year's Six Bowl win, that becomes more of a debate okay. because then you have your Orange Bowl in there and you have 10 years of consistency and you could say, well, once you come out of that decade – you're going to be rolling more toward having future success of maybe going to a college football playoff after that, but I still would go with a title. How would that How would that happen though? Like with a title, would the would KU just all of a sudden be the best of the best, or would the <laughs> Big Twelve just suck? I mean, I guess it really wouldn't matter because if you go twelve and zero, you make the playoff. Even if you're the four seed, yeah. because the Big Twelve sucks, you would prove your worth well, I mean, by in, beating the one seed. I'm fairness, saying they was, win the national title. In fairness, wasn't UCF twelve and zero and missed the playoffs? Yeah, but but no, this is part of this question. It's would you rather them win the championship? It's not. Okay. You know what I mean? 
no, no. I that, no, that I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, what if, what if it's, yeah, I know Big 12 is a big conference, but, like, let's just say the talent level of the rest of the Big 12 is absolutely terrible. Then yeah. Would, would they factor that in, and then they just leave them out of the playoffs? Well, no, but that's what I'm saying. The question is, they win the national right. championship. Right. You know, it's not do they go twelve. Why am I thinking of that re- of that rhetoric then? Just just completely bail out the last thirty. Okay, seconds. okay. <laughs> All right, next question. Come, but yeah, that that's what I would go with. I okay. I, I would go with the national title, and I just I don't know. Just I'm 50-50. Like, okay, here here's another part of it. I think that if you if you ask me, like genuinely, do you ever expect to see KU win a national championship in football in your lifetime? My answer is, of course, going to be no. Do I ever expect them to even play in a playoff in my lifetime? Well, if it sticks at four, I don't know. Over the course of, I, I don't know how long I'm going to live, so that's part of it. But, like, let's say I live another 50 years. Could they make one playoff? Yeah, yeah, I think, they, so, yeah. I think they could. Uh, but if it gets expanded, I would expect that answer to be yes. But, again, to win a title? No, I would say no. For them to make 10 bowl games over the course of my lifetime in a row, like, I don't expect that. But it's like, what would I have more enjoyment over? I don't know. Okay, uh, this one from Ryan. Maybe we'll put that one up for a poll. I think that's good. This one from Ryan. One current KU football player you'd add to the KU basketball roster and one current KU basketball player you'd add to the KU football roster. Hmm. What positions would they play? Um, I I, I kind of talked about this yesterday because yeah. we were previewing the uh, the fo- the basketball draft of football players that you had with Scott Jason. By the way, you can check that out on the podcast. The um, plug? I would say Devin Neal would be the football player that goes to the basketball team because the dude's absolutely talented. And obviously, he played, as I'm sure a lot of other mm-hmm. football players did, played some basketball for a brief stint. But, like, Devin's already a very talented multi-sport athlete. I think he could carry that over to uh, to basketball. Now, basketball player going to football, here's the thing. I got to think of somebody that's, um, that's like, really like a really guy like a really strong guy in the pay i gotta go with one of the newer centers um oh gosh Got ernest probably, uday only ernest uday yeah i would say like, ernest uday because as much as i would say jalen wilson i i think for a guy that's six foot eight i i would probably expect him to be a tight end or something he's just too small to be a tight end and by, by small i mean like Weight wise, not yeah, 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 not height wise. Right. Um, yeah, the thing with Jalen too is like I could also see I don't know maybe a defensive end because he's good at, at driving into the paint and getting by bodies and stuff. But like again, well, it's going to be hard not, if you're good to get past a guy that's six six three twenty. Yeah, he's not going to be that way the same. And also, I don't know. He he just maybe you're too tall. You know, low man wins as they say in, right. in football. So I agree. I wouldn't go there. Uh, for for. Uh, Football player to play basketball, yeah, we did this yesterday. Kai Thomas was was my first pick there. I, I saw him play at Topeka High, averaged like 15, 20 points mm-hmm. per game. Really good player. Um, for basketball player to play football, I, I'm between a couple guys. So there's Bobby Pettiford, who I think could make a really good running back. He's one of those guards who's really good at driving into the teeth of the defense. He's tough. He's strong. But also, KU doesn't need more running backs, so I'm not going to take him. Dewan Harris, really good defender, really good hands. He's le- He's got the long, like, wingspan, right? He's obviously got good speed if you're a point guard on the basketball court. How about Dewan Harris at cornerback? Okay. I like that. Um, MJ Rice, have never seen him play an actual game, but just from seeing film of him or, or whatever, like, he is built. 
He looks like a linebacker, so why not play him at linebacker? 6'5", 230. He's got the size for it. He really does. Um, and he's obviously athletic and everything. That could make some sense. And then, yeah, if you want to go with, like, Ernest Uday or Zuby Edgifer, like, either one, it's it's really kind of pick your poison. As, like, a maybe defensive lineman, defensive end, I, I don't even think they have the weight on them to do it, so maybe they'd have to be defensive ends. Or maybe you just use them as situational players, right? You have these foot mm-hmm. ten players with seven foot two wingspans. Use them as a red zone-only tight end. Um, where you just throw a fade up to them, use them in special teams on field goal block situations, where right. you can just have him in the middle and you you know use the seven foot two wingspan to to block a kick. Those would be. When's the uh, last time fixed. KU football even did block a kick? Uh, I think because the uh, the ratio of blocked kicks to ki- to kicks blocked mm-hmm. it obviously really favors the kicks blocked for KU. Right. That's, that's happened a ton over the past. Yeah, two KU's years. had a lot more blocked on their end. I. The last one I remember is the Texas Tech game in that would have been 2019, yep. where they blocked. Well, no, that no, was KU Tech getting their kick. Okay, yeah. so again, that's KU Tech getting had their it blocked, block. and then yeah. they fumbled it because <laughs> Douglas Coleman had no field uh-huh. awareness because there's an opening where he could have gone to the end zone and won it for Tech. But that's right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when the last one. Man, I, I'm sure there's an obvious answer that I'm just not thinking of. But you're definitely right. There's definitely, and I don't know if this is just one of those things where it's like. You know, you remember the negative things more than the positive right. things, even if there's more positive things. But it's just a lot easier to recall the, the times that KU got their field goal or pump block right. than the other way around. Uh, so, I don't know. Maybe that helps even the score if you do that. Okay, this one from Christopher. How much do the transfers move the needle on this year's team, and what's your win-loss prediction? So, how much do the transfers move the needle on the this year's team? We'll start with that. Um I mean, it on a spectrum of like if you're looking at how many wins does it change? It could be anywhere from zero to, to two, I guess. Because if Kansas is going back to our opening conversation, if Kansas is going to win, uh, last year you win two. If Kansas is going to win four or five games, how much of that would you peg on the transfers improving the two to three wins? Versus just guys who are already in the program getting better, like a Jalen Daniels or a Devin mm-hmm. Neal, right? So I mean, it, it's hard to kind of quantify. I mean, the thing is, like, um, I, why am I forgetting the name of that? Uh, there was like this big star on defense who just transferred to KU. Why am I totally? Forgetting oh, uh, the name? Uh, Marvin Grant, Lorenzo McCaskill. McCaskill uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Caskill on the defensive front. Um, if you're able to put in Kai Thomas as a good. Um, you know, I mean, he's Minnesota's leading rusher on a nine and four right. team, right? Well, I mean, like, like we've said in the positional preview, Devin Neal is going to be running back one. But if you're able to add Kai Thomas to his own role while possibly start, I wouldn't say starting, but like just somewhere in there in his own right, I think you could see them influence certainly some things. I don't know how much of that really tra- would translate to the win loss record. Yeah, because the thing is, you can pick out any scenario of. Well, if these transfers didn't come in, there'd be these, these, and these players on the KU roster, and they could possibly switch it up here, there, and everywhere. But yeah, I'm gonna take that scenario out of my head. I think, I think one or two. Yeah, it's just like I said, it's just hard to quantify. There's so much that goes into winning a football game, so I, I do think it should impact things plus one or something. But what if KU goes two and ten, but they're a lot more competitive in a lot of the games? And so, theoretically, they're a better team than they were last year, but it's the same win total. Like, that that could very much happen as well. Um, 
So I'll say if, if they hit at a lot of positions because you brought so much in a linebacker, you brought a bunch in in the secondary. Lonnie Phelps is, is certainly, um, I don't know. I, I think he has the opportunity to have the biggest impact because of both role, the shoes you're filling into, and how good he was, like the combination of all those things. I, I would say if you didn't add all these transfers, I'd probably be looking at KU being a two-win team, maybe three. Okay. Whereas now, because they've added all these transfers, I look at them as being a three-win team that can maybe get to four. So it's definitely impacted things by maybe one or two wins in my eyes. But yeah, my my win prediction, I'm right now I'm three and nine is the most likely. I, I keep splitting hairs whether two and ten or four and eight is the second most likely, but that's kind of where I'm at with the win loss. Where are you at with the win loss? Um, I definitely think three and nine is the most likely. I would honestly say four and eight is the second most likely. If they really uh, bring that momentum that they had for the last three games and everybody stays healthy, obviously there are a lot of scenarios that can come in. If somebody gets hurt, somebody big gets hurt. Um, yeah, the offensive line, it's going to be tough to handle any injuries. Yeah. So, um, like, if a lot of people get hurt, then two and 10 is more likely. So, it, it just it obviously just depends on the scenario. But I think if, uh, you know, the really. I shouldn't say that, but like if the stars, I was about to say the really important. <laughs> I, I should say if the stars are able to stay healthy, I think four and eight is the second most likely. Okay, this one from the real Gigante on Twitter. Still love that name. Yeah, right. The real you think he actually is a giant. Okay, in his, <laughs> in his time as athletic director, do you think Travis Goff will get major stadium renovations done? If so, when do you think they'll be completed? So I would say yes. I do too. I, I think the process is going to start like soon-ish because if you just look at this, I mean, KU is already kind of behind the eight ball there in, in terms of the stadium renovations or everything. So that's obviously at the top of the priority list for Travis Goff at this point. Um, but it's also like, again, I, I don't know what the future beholds for KU. You stick in the Big 12. You try to get that bid to the Big 10. Obviously, if the Big 10 ever does come calling, you're saying yes because you're going to make so much more money off of it. And there are a lot of ways that KU actually is like a good geographical fit and everything for the Big Ten. But for you to ever get extended that invite and with the the Big 12 media uh, contract coming up here in a few years with either having an opportunity to jump ship and go to another conference or just trying to strengthen yourself to help strengthen the conference and everything, it's going to be of utmost importance to have those renovations either done or at least underway by the time that starts. So the media contract expires after the 2025-26 season. I don't know how long, like I'm, I'm not a construction person um, <laughs> that I don't really know how long that would take. I also think the it kind of depends. The thing is, I think so much has to change for Memorial Stadium that unfortunately it would take at least a year. So then KU would have to figure out where to play in the midst of all that construction. The, the thing that I keep thinking about is the proposal that came out about five or six years mm -hmm. ago and all those plans. And the only thing that came into fruition, because, and I mean like athletics wide. Um, and the only two things, I guess a little bit for Allen Fieldhouse with like renovations of like concessions and bathrooms, but the only two things that have come into fruition, the new volleyball arena and the practice facility for football. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. I, I think it's coming. I, I do. Um, but yeah, like you said, is it how much of a renovation is it going to be? Is it going to be a, a completely new stadium? Is it going to be just an overhaul of the stadium where you can't play at that home stadium and 
they're constantly working on it. I don't think that's what it'll be. I don't think it's going to be a complete demolition and then just redo it, at least yet. I do think, though, that they are going to change a few things. Like, if I remember right from the um, older uh, proposals, they're going to add, like, more screens, add, like, a new ribbon board or something like that, add a couple extra sections, and then, like, a sweet level for, for, like, recruits and stuff like that. Sweet level. You have maybe some more, um, as opposed to everything being bleachers, some areas where maybe there's seat backs or something, right? Stuff like that. I think that all makes sense. And if that's the case, which I'm kind of expecting it to be, that's something where you can kind of do like a little bit of renovation at a time. Like you could do one summer, you fix that section. Another summer, you fix another section. So if that's the case, like if you were to just blow it up and say, we're going to play for a year at this other stadium, you could probably get that all done within, I don't know, maybe a year or two. But the fact that you'd be doing little renovations, it might be a year for this small part of it, a year for this small part of it, a year for this, because you can't work on it during the football season. Um, So from that standpoint, if we're, again, going on the timeline that you'd want it done by the, you know, end of the 2025-26 academic school year, then if you're looking at a two or three year project, which again, I'm not a construction guy, so I don't even know if that's that's the right timeline there, then you'd be looking at having to start it by you know the summer of next year right i mean like the thing is i i also know that i i've also seen like stadium renovations and stuff like that be done in a quick amount of time yeah it so just depends it just, it, yeah like I said, it just i've seen some depends. be a year i've seen some like san diego states theirs has taken like four years so it, mm. it well i mean also what you were saying like about the seats i mean arrowhead stadium completely ripped their seats and replaced them all with new ones in one off season yeah so that's 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 a possibility yep uh, this one from Sam Oliver. This will be the last one we get to today, and then we'll get to uh, KU Tracker. We'll get to you next week. Same with uh, Jeff. Uh, Sam Oliver, any talks from camp about Douglas Emelian and Tanaka Scott? Are either of them expected to make an immediate impact slash compete to start? So I, I think by all accounts from what we've heard from receiver coach Terrence Samuelson and just kind of around the program, like Emelian sounds like he has looked really good since coming over. I have not heard that much, to be honest, about Tanaka Scott, um, but big-bodied receiver, good straight-line speed. I know the thing that they were trying to work on last year with him was more of the cutting and the the agility, the shiftiness, the route running, stuff like that. Um, But I would imagine, to me, between like Tanaka Scott and Quentin Skinner, two big-bodied receivers who have good straight-line speed, I can see one of them kind of cracking the rotation. So maybe he gets a spot. But yeah, Emelian for sure is someone I expect to play a lot. At this point, like if I'm guessing the the receiver depth chart, Lawrence Arnold, Luke Grimm to me are starters, Grimm in the slot. And then I would kind of be looking at Emelian and Trevor Wilson, them being like in the, the tightest competition to start in that third wide receiver spot. And right now, honestly, I'm probably leaning like very close, 55-45, something like that. Okay. Emelian starting over Trevor Wilson, just based on what we've heard and the hype kind of surrounding that. I still wouldn't be surprised Wilson ended up starting there. But the point being, Emelian is in that conversation as one of your, you know, starting receivers, and he's going to get a lot of time. Right. I I, I mean, just me, just my thinking. Part of me just thinks Trevor Wilson's going to start, but I do agree that it could also be Douglas Emelian. Mm-hmm. I think that one's going to be pretty close. But yeah, I think Tanaka Scott, I don't think he's going to be in that starting role, at least top three. Um, five wide set, he's definitely going to be in there, without a doubt. So I I just think he's going to be wide receiver number five, though. He is Lynn Gillespie. I am Derek Johnson. We have RCST Trivia starting up next, followed by Michael Swain. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk.
We are brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, has incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments. The Kansas collection has 14 pieces of apparel, including T-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear. Plus, they look really cool. And they just released, well, not just, but after the national championship, they released a national championship shirt. Use the code Talk. That's Talk all one word, and you'll get 15%, 15% off your first order. That's right. Code Rock Chalk Sports Talk, all one word for 15% off with home field apparel on your first order. Into our Thursday division of RCST Trivia, we are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, and Johnny's Tavern. And we've got a couple more matchups today featuring Ben Wilson, our eighth-ranked team, and Hunter Turpin here. And then our second matchup will be Doug Crumpton-Murray taking on Michael Plank. So, Ben, you come into this one. You're unranked. You had a bye week in week one. Last week, you put up a perfect 24. Now you're ranked eighth in the uh, trivia top 10. Do you think that's still not high enough? What would you kind of think about your first week performance and headed into week two here? No, I think since I've only played one one match, I think that's an appropriate ranking uh, to crack the top 10. I think my perfect score was good enough to get ranked, but probably not to make it to the top. Well, uh, I know you were on your, your family vacation last week. I assume, are you, are you back in town? Does that make it easier? Or does that make it more difficult to, to get ready for this? I'm probably more difficult, honestly, because now I'm back in the swing of work and I'm on my lunch break right now. So it's one of those things where it's just uh, a little less time to kind of lay around and think about K football. Yeah. Well, Hunter, um, you're coming off uh, a, a performance in uh, week one, and then you had the bye week last week. So, uh, do you feel do you feel rusty coming off a of bye week? Do you feel like you've been rejuvenated? What are kind of your thoughts headed into this week? Uh, I feel a little little rusty coming off the bye week, but uh, I did a little more studying in my uh, extra time, so uh, hopefully it goes a little better than last week. And uh, do you feel like is there a certain era of KU football knowledge that you feel best about? Oh, certainly the. Uh, Probably from the early 2000s up to now, uh, I'm only 23, so my knowledge of the 90s and 80s isn't too good. Okay, well, um, I'm going to go ahead and cue the music here, and I'm going to give the coin toss to you, Hunter, coming off the bye week. Um, So do you want heads or tails? Tails, please. It is tails. Would you like to go first or would you like to go second? Uh, I'll go second. Okay. That means, Ben, you're up first, the eighth-ranked team, 1-0. He is perfect so far on questions through one matchup. And we'll start in the easy round, which is our first quarter of play. These are worth three points. First to you, Ben. This former Jayhawk quarterback and receiver wore the number 10 from 2006 to 2009. Kerry Meyer. That is correct. Kerry Meyer. Converted from quarterback, started to take off in the Orange Bowl season, and then really took off in the 08 and 09 seasons. Okay, Hunter, your first question in the first quarter for three points. This former Jayhawk running back and Lawrence High graduate wore the number 35 from 2003 to 2007. Um, 2003, 2007. Uh, would that be Brandon McAnderson? That would be Brandon McAnderson, friend of the show. 
And that ties it 3-3 three to three after the first quarter of play. Okay, into the second quarter, medium round. These are worth six points. See if Ben can stay perfect once again. Ben, what Mark Mangino receiver owns the KU record for career receiving yards with over 3,200 of them? Desmond Briscoe. Yep, Desmond Briscoe. Obviously, he had some real good receivers. He had, you know, Kerry Meyer and Marcus Henry, Dexton Fields, and, and so forth down the line. But Desmond Briscoe, tops of the bunch. All right, that's six for you. You lead nine to three. Back to Hunter with a chance to tie it here in the medium round. Hunter, only trailing Nolan Cromwell in rushing yards by a Kansas quarterback in a single season is this KU quarterback from the 2002 season. Mm. 2002 season. Um, That's tough. Um, I know it's not right, but I ship to Leary. The correct answer is Bill Whittemore. I knew that name, too. Yeah. Bill Whittemore, great running quarterback for KU. All right, still got time to make it up. 9-3 to three the score. Ben, you're in front here as we go through halftime and head into the third quarter of play. This is worth seven points for you, Ben. How many games did Kansas win in the 1947 season? So that was the year we went to the Orange Bowl with Evans and Schnell and Becker. Um, probably played less games, so I'm going to say eight. That's correct. They did win eight games. So, um, good good math there and everything. I don't even know. Was that the year they went to the Orange Bowl? I, I couldn't remember if it was. Yeah, I guess it would have been. Yeah, because the, the 48 Orange Bowl, yeah. 47 season. So, yeah, good math. Good figuring that out one there. All right, that's a big hit for you to get seven. So, Hunter, you're going to have to hit your last two to have a chance to win this thing. How many games did Kansas win the following season? In 1948. Um, we'll go with six. Just off. Seven was the correct answer. And once again, less games. You're playing like 10 games or something like that. All right, so Ben, you have secured the win, so there's no pressure on this question. But there is pressure because if you hit this, you would stay perfect through two rounds. Nobody has done that so far. And I think you would skyrocket up the rankings. At that point, so into the really hard round, you currently lead it 16-3. to This is worth eight points in the fourth quarter. Ben, what season did Kansas average their most rushing yards per game of all time in a single season with over 311 of them per game? Uh, 1975. You had that answer quick. That gave me a lot of confidence that you were going to hit that. The correct answer is 1950. Okay. I was thinking uh, Nolan Cromwell when he was the quarterback and rushed for over 1,000 yards. It had to be a good year. That's a good process. Good way of thinking it. Uh, I'm sure that team wound up pretty close. Yeah, 1950, 311 rushing yards per game. That's that's pretty monumental. All right, so Hunter, you can't get the win here, but you can draw some points back and, and help out with your tiebreaker and everything. Uh, so this is your last one for eight points. What season did Kansas give up their least amount of passing yards per game with under 50 of them? It's got to be some time when uh, there wasn't a whole lot of passing in football. Um, I'll go with 1931. 
had the right idea there. Um, at that point, it's just like a guess of years. 1960 is the correct uh, answer there. Okay, he was just okay. elite pass defense in 1960. All right, so that puts an end to the matchup. Ben, you're victorious 16-3. to Are you disappointed at all, though, that you finally missed a question? Yeah, a little bit, honestly. <laughs> that that would have been fun to keep it going for another week, but, uh, you know, we all, we all miss him, so on to next week. Uh, so 2-0 and now. You got 40 points scored. Um, are, are there any areas that you're going to look to fine-tune headed into the final couple weeks of the regular season? Probably pre-1960s. It, it seems <laughs> like both me and Hunter both got some pretty tough questions there in those last two rounds that were that predate most of everyone that's going to be on this show. So uh, maybe pre-60s. Hunter, um, thoughts on your performance today? Anything that you're going to do differently headed into uh, next week's matchup? Uh, I would say I'm certainly going to uh, brush up on my KU uh, individual stats for sure. Uh, like Ben also said in the 60s and even before that. So is there hopefully a... I, get, I can only get better from here. Yeah, is there a question that, that – uh, maybe you know went the other way that the Ben had the question that maybe you would have known the answer to that if the questions would have come in a different order you might have been set a little bit better there. Uh, the Desmond Briscoe one for sure. Would you have known the uh, Bill Whittemore one uh, on the flip side to that Ben? I have a Bill Whittemore jersey painted uh, on my parents my, my childhood uh, bedroom my parents' house so I, it would have it helps me that I have about ten years on Hunter uh, I'm I'm about thirty two so. That definitely helps that 2000 era range. I love Bill Whittemore, Clark Green, John Randall, those guys. Right, well, I got to ask. I know uh, as part of the kind of family vacation you were on last week, one Matt Llewellyn, 23rd Street Brewery, was yep. in attendance there. Did you talk strategy with him at all? Did you let him know how your matchup went? What were kind of his thoughts on everything? I, I did. I, I let him know how I did, and he was super pumped for me. Uh, he tries to tell me that I need to know and learn all the coaches, and there are like 40-plus of them, so I don't know if that's possible, but uh, that, that, that was his advice, was study all the coaching history. Well, guys, I appreciate being part of this, and uh, yeah, we'll see you for uh, the final two matchups in the next two weeks. Yep. Thank you. Thank Good you. Luck, appreciate ben. it. Thank you, too, Hunter. All right, eighth-ranked team, Ben Wilson coming out victorious there, 16-3. to the final score, Ben, oh, so close to saying perfect on questions. He's got to move into, I, I don't know, it's so tough if, if teams in front of you don't lose and everything. How do you jump? Who do you jump? But it's hard to argue that Ben shouldn't be in the top five. Again, he's missed one question through eight questions so far, and it was a really hard question. So uh, we'll see where he moves up in the rankings coming up over the weekend. We do have one more matchup here in RCST Trivia. Once again, we are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery where you can get dine-in, carry-out. You can get their crowlers to go with some of their great beer. You can check out the outdoor patio. It's a perfect spot to go watch all of your football season. They'll be airing some of the Lawrence High Free State football games on Friday nights. Obviously, your KU and college football action on Saturdays and all your NFL action on Sundays, Mondays, Thursdays. Seemingly every day at some point is when the NFL is going to play at 23rd Street Brewery. Also, Jayhawk Trophy, who are your spot to go to get trophies, whether it's for your fantasy football league upcoming, whether it's for your kids' youth sports league, whether you just want to get you know a nice trophy to put in your office for something. They also have plaques and all sorts of awards that you can give out, and they're engraving experts. If you need anything engraved on, go over to Jayhawk Trophy here in Lawrence and also Johnny's Tavern, 12 locations from Blue Springs to Topeka. They've got a couple right here in Lawrence and Johnny's Tavern. You're going to feel like you're part of the neighborhood. Great food, great drink. Another great sports bar to hang out with your friends and 
Go watch all the games and, and all the action. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk and RCST Trivia. With Lynn Gillespie, I'm Derek Johnson. Let's get to that next matchup between Doug and Michael on the other side on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, klwn.com, the KLWN app, depending on it. Final matchup today for the Thursday division. Once again, RCST Trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, and Johnny's Tavern. And after uh, this one, we'll just have one more matchup to go for week three, which will be coming up tomorrow. It is Doug Crumpton Murray and Michael Plank, the two contestants here. Michael with 32 points, a one and one record through two matchups. Doug looking to get his first victory. He's got 16 points through the first two matchups. And uh, Doug, we'll start with you here, trying to get off the schneid, trying to get a victory here. Uh, what are kind of your thoughts headed into this week three matchup? Derek, you know, I've uh, never made any excuses about my winless performance so far, but that ends right now. Oh. So first excuse, did little to no uh, uh, training at all, looking up stuff. Then I doubled down yesterday, drove four hours to L.A., hung out with my son all day, capped it off with a Mark Marin performance at night. Uh, fantastic. Had the best seats in the house. He did two hours. Mark Marin fans out there, man, it was, it was fantastic. Rolled in about three this morning. I'm on no sleep. I'm a zombie. But I feel as far as excuses go, I've, I've set myself up well in case this doesn't go well. Yeah. So there you have it. Oh, I like that. It's it's kind of the equivalent, too, of, you know, when a when a baseball team is is struggling to get hits or, or a basketball team is struggling to hit shots. And the coach that day is like, hey, we're, we're not going to take batting practice or, or we're not going to do shoot around before the game. We're just going to go out there and play free mind and everything. I, I guess you kind of have that equivalent going for you. You know, that's the plan. Anyway, we'll we'll see how that works. All right. Well, Michael, uh, you come off a week one impressive win. Last week had a really tough loss that, that came down to the very end there. Does that serve as extra motivation? What's been your kind of preparation like headed into this week? Well, yeah, that's the thing. I don't want to do excuses either, but uh, our practice schedule has been very light this week. Uh, we, we were pretty disappointed coming off of last week. We, you know, three for three going into the fourth quarter and then, you know, our final question answer gets intercepted and taken the other way in the in the second half of the quarter there. So, you know, we're a little upset that we were punished for that in the rankings, but uh, we'll, we'll see if we can, you know, rectify that here. And, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully we have a little bit better showing today, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, Michael, do you feel like you have a, is there like an area of KU football or a time range that, that you feel like is, is most up your alley? Oh, probably last 20, 25 years, you know, the more recent stuff, but that's going to be most people though. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I started going to games in the early to mid nineties, but didn't really get into it until, you know, the Mangino era. So, uh, that's kind of where I'm at. Doug, what about you? Is there an era that you're most fond of or, or that you feel best about? I mean, being being older, you know, I, I, that, that seventies to eighties is kind of my wheelhouse. Um, I feel like I know the older history better, but the questions haven't quite come my way that way. So, <laughs> no. well, they're all the day. Yeah, maybe they are. They're all random. So uh, we just have a list and we go through it in order. So we'll see what we get to today. All right. But with that being said, um, Doug, you're in the blues. Michael, you're in the, the blacks. So nobody's wearing a home white. But uh, I guess I'll, I'll give the uh, coin toss here to Doug. See if this can help you get maybe your first dub. We'll, we'll see. Do you want the heads or tails? Let's go heads. All right. Heads it is. So, Doug, hey, do you want to go first go. or second? I will go second. All right. That means, Michael, you're up first to try to get that bad taste out of your mouth from last week. 
We'll start in the first quarter. These are the easy questions. These are worth three points. Michael, for you, the KU record for most career interception return yards is held by what Jayhawk who began his time with the team in 2005 and later won an Orange Bowl? Akeem Tlaib. Yep. That is correct. Akeem Tlaib, the correct answer there. I believe that was right. Began in 2005, but uh, obviously left after his junior season in that 2007 season. Okay, uh, so three points for you there. Doug, your chance to tie it in the first quarter. Who was Akeem Tlaib's head coach all of his seasons at Kansas? Our football coach can eat your football coach. That would be the great Mark Mangino. That's right. Great former T-shirt there. Was it Joe College, I believe, back in the day? No longer a thing now. All right, three to three, the score headed into the second quarter of play. These are worth six points in the medium round. Back to you, Michael. In KU's 2003 Tangerine Bowl loss to NC State, what Wolfpack quarterback and future first-round NFL draft pick torched the KU defense for 475 yards and five touchdowns? That was a tough game to watch because I love me some some Bill Whittemore on our side, but their quarterback was uh, Phillip Rivers. Yes, it was. Ended up having a long NFL career, and obviously KU fans were also Chiefs fans. Got even more familiar with him there, uh, but wasn't in the post game. Didn't Phillip Rivers like bring his kid out? He has like nine kids or something like that. He's he's uh, got a big family. He's enjoyed that part of life. But yeah, all right. This one for you, Doug. Chance to tie it headed into halftime. In KU's 2005 Fort Worth Bowl victory over Houston, what Cougars quarterback and future second-round NFL draft pick that was once coached by Andy Reid was stifled to under 50% and threw three interceptions to the KU defense? I'm kind of picturing the guy, and that's all I'm getting is a picture, and that's probably not going to work. No, Dang unfortunately, this um, is radio. <laughs> can I draw it? Can I draw right. We'll play some pictures. Uh, <laughs> I truly don't know. Yeah, 10 seconds. I don't even have a guess. No Darn guess? It. No guess. I'll give you the timer anyway in case something pops into your head. Oh! All right, the correct answer there is Kevin Cobb. Kevin Cobb. I'm not sure if that name rings a bell even after hearing it. Okay, into the hard round. Michael, you got a chance to uh, put the stranglehold here on this one. This is worth seven points in the third quarter. Oddly enough, the 2001 Jayhawks' last game of their 3-8 and eight campaign was a 27-14 win against who? I'm going to say Wyoming. You nailed it. Wyoming is the correct answer there. Look at that. Did you go to that game? Do you remember it? I did. I was at that game, and I remember it being rescheduled for, I think, for 9-11. Is that right? I I think that would make sense. I, I didn't know why that was their last game and not like Missouri or something, but now yeah. that you bring it up, that, that would have made yeah. sense. It was 2001, right? Okay, that's a big seven for you. So, Doug, you got to hit this one to stay alive here. KU went 6-6 six and six in the 2006 season, but did not make a bowl game, possibly because they lost to what non-conference opponent that season? 
Georgia Tech. Not a bad answer. They've had some recent games with Georgia Tech. The correct answer is a school out of the MAC. That would be Toledo. Fortunately, lost to Toledo there. Otherwise, they're seven and five. I don't know if that would have got them into a bowl game or not. Sometimes it's based on conference play, but I would like to think it would have. I don't know. Okay, uh, so that means Michael, you have clinched the victory here. But as I've said many times on RCSC trivia, the points matter here. You want to get as many as possible, and this would be a perfect week for you if you can come up with the uh, correct answer here. So, Michael, for eight points in the really hard round, close things off here. Kansas set a school record in 1912 with 49 points in one half, doing so in the first half against what opponent? Haskell. That's actually a pretty good guess because they had a lot of early games with Haskell, and it was another, um, I guess, non-Division One FBS school, at least that is now. I don't know about at the time. St. Mary's. St. Mary's is the correct answer there. But I like the process there. All right. So, Doug, once again, this is a chance, you know, get some points back, get some pride back, and then uh, go catch some sleep after that because you haven't had a That's lot right. of it. All right. All right. Doug, this one for you. Kansas set a school record in 1923 with 32 points in one quarter. They did so in the fourth quarter against what opponent? Washington of Missouri. How did you know that? Let's go! Let's go! (laughs) That is awesome. How did you know that? I've been studying. You've just been asking the wrong questions, but there we go. I love it, man. I love it. So, Michael, you come away with the victory 16 to 11. Um, I I guess that's got to make you feel pretty. I mean, if if you didn't answer your your hard question right, the Wyoming one, Doug would have just beat you on that question. So so that was a big pull for you. Oh, man. Yeah. And to be fair to Doug, Washington, Missouri was my second guess for for the question I had. So... Um, I, I, I thought of Kevin Cobb, but I don't know if I, I didn't think that was right. So I don't know if I would have gone with that answer, but so, you know, just luck of the draw again, you know how it is. Yeah. Well, Doug, like you said, you said, I've been asking the wrong questions. You, you said your wheelhouse is more in the seventies and you didn't get any seventies questions. You nail of all of them. That one at the very end, I, I know you come out with a loss here, but that's gotta be like a moral victory, right? That's we're, we're going to use that as a uh, motivational tool moving forward. I think, yes, we're going to have a good week. No more trips to L.A. and uh, getting the right amount of sleep is our is our next priority. Well, I know uh, one Scott Chasen, friend of the show here, is going to be part of the uh, Heisman voting committee. And I know one of the biggest things he's going to take into account. And I don't even know. It might be the only thing is uh, most correct answered really hard questions for who wins the, the trivia Heisman. Um, you, you got yourself on the board there. I don't know if anybody has more than one or two. I think somebody has two, okay. but that puts you on the leaderboard there. You're up there. So you have that to contend for here. There we go. There's, there's always another day, you know, positive attitude. And I guess whoever wins it, since it's not really the Heisman, maybe we'll think of a new name for it, but whoever wins it, the first inaugural one, maybe we'll name it after them. I don't know. Maybe that's the, the cool way of doing it. Uh, so Michael, you're now two and one. Um, thoughts headed into it. You'll have one bye in your next two weeks. You have another matchup to come as well. Uh, what are kind of your thoughts headed into the home stretch here? Well, uh, I don't think we control our own destiny anymore. So we need, uh, 
Uh, I can't remember who who what, what his name. Yeah, was. so Nick Duncan to... was on bye this yeah, week. He's two and zero. You need him to lose. We need him to lose twice, but uh, you know we'll we'll keep showing up every week and fighting the good fight, and maybe good things will happen. Yeah, I think you could also get there though if uh, there's a three way tie, and, and then it could go down to points possibly because, like you said, mm-hmm. Nick does have, I believe, the head to head there. Um, but yeah. you know, if if you get him at three and one, if if Ben is three and one, and uh, you're three and one, and then it goes three way tie, and it's gone kind of the triangle where everybody beat each other. And then it could go to points. So you still have a lot of avenues to to try to win the division here. But good job, guys. Once again, that was a fun matchup. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Derek. See, that was super fun because Michael knows his stuff. He gets the dub. Uh, Doug, I'm sure, was was sitting there as it's you know sixteen to three, and he can't win headed into the fourth quarter, and he's gone. Man, this kind of stinks. But then he hits it, so at the very least, it like I said, it is a moral victory. It's like when Kansas lost to TCU and West Virginia the last two games of the season. I know Lance Leipold says we're done with moral victories. Uh, he should say that. He's the head coach of the team. You know They're trying to get wins and everything. But from my standpoint, covering the team, from a fan standpoint, it's hard not to see the end of that season and, and have more optimism for where things are going and, and be like, yeah, they're, they're better than maybe the record indicates there, right? And that's what Doug did. He showed off, and, and like I said, you know, he, he drops to 0-3, but that keeps him in the running for the, the possible inaugural Heisman or whatever we're going to call it here. And for Michael, a big win to stay alive for a possible division win or at the very least for a bowl game in a tough division. Nick Duncan at 2-0 in first on bye this week. Ben Wilson moving to 2-0 with the earlier matchup today. And then you have Hunter Turpin at 0-2 who's going to try to cause some chaos here. Same with Doug at the end of the uh, regular season. We'll have one more trivia matchup coming up tomorrow. It's going to be between Kyle Martin and Jim Scherer. That should be a fun one. RCST Trivia is brought to you by Johnny's Tavern, Jayhawk Trophy, and 23rd Street Brewery. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depending on it. Did you know that on our website, klwn.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059kissfm.com, bull929.com, we have a program called Hometown Deals. So you click the tab, and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50% off. We have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50% off gift card to. So just go to the website, click Hometown Deals, and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50% off. If you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost, shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. Three weeks from tomorrow, the KU football season starts up. You'll be able to hear the action right here on KLWN. Joined now by Michael Swain here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Michael Swain of Fog.net, 24-7 sports. Before we get into some KU football talk here, Michael, uh, Kaysen Wiseman, the quarterback for the class of 2023, three-star recruit on 24-7 sports. The composite has him listed as the number 62 quarterback and 24-7 specific recruiting side of things has him listed as the 65th quarterback. Uh, announcing coming up here in less than an hour at 5.30. Seems like KU's in a good spot. Is that kind of the expectation here? And, and what do you kind of think uh, the scouting report, like what's the ceiling look like? What does the floor look like for Casey Wiseman? Yeah. You know, it's recruiting these days, man. You kind of have to see with some of these guys and the decisions they can make. But yeah, my crystal ball picks on Kansas. So, you know, I do think Kansas is in a really good spot. Obviously, Case and Wiseman got to visit campus back in uh, late June for Key's Friday Night Lights camp. So I got the chance to kind of see him throw in person. 
And I think the big thing that stands out about him is he kind of falls in line with what the staff seems to value at the quarterback position, which is mobility and a quick release. You look at someone like Ethan Vasco, who they got last year, really put up good stats there in Virginia. Um, really mobile player, has a good arm. Even looking at someone like Jason Bean, too, right? Pretty mobile player, pretty good arm. And so with Wiseman, you're looking at him pretty much offering that. You watch his high school tape, and he moves around real well. Um, is able to escape the pocket, escape rushing uh, edge guys. And so that's positive. And seeing him in person, I think that athletic burst really stands out. I think the question I kind of have is, is arm strength, you know, is that there? Um, but, you know, the, this day and age with someone like Matt Gildersleeve, I just don't know if that can be a concern because you fix the mechanics, you get him stronger in the weight room, and all of a sudden, you know, he could be throwing the ball a lot harder than he is right now. So I think it would be a good pickup for KU. Um, I think I probably like Vasco more in the grand scheme of things if you're comparing prospects. But I think this day and age, you have to take quarterback every class with the transfer portal and, and the way things can play out. So I think it's a good addition if he ends up picking KU. But you know, we'll have to see there. Do you view the the future of that quarterback room, as you mentioned, with Vasco? I, I don't know if the idea would be to redshirt him or not. I don't know how much of it comes down to if he you know wins that kind of third-string spot over a guy like Ben Easters or something. Um, but, you know, when – you have a position like that where it's not like running back or receiver or something where you're, you're rotating in multiple guys where even if you're not the starter, you're still playing. That doesn't really happen at quarterback barring injury. And Jalen Daniels obviously has two more years left to play. Like how much do you think Jalen's play this season is going to impact, you know, what quarterbacks maybe stick around or, or what commitments kind of stick true with that position? Yeah, I think right now, you got to expect that Jalen Daniels is going to be the starter for years to come. I think that's been key. The key thing is the way the Keys handled this is they really are kind of framing him as the quarterback of the future. And I think he's got this season and then two more years of eligibility after that. So he's going to be around for a while. But for someone like Vasco, I mean, yeah, you sure hope he redshirts this year. I think it'd be disastrous to get played in Vasco more than four games this year because obviously it means Jason Bean went down and it means Jalen Daniels went down. But I think you look at the room and you need to add someone like Wiseman, who I think has some upside, but just adds another kind of person to the room where it's competition. Because I think you look at someone like Jason Bean, right? He'll have a decision make after this year. You know, he could grad transfer somewhere else and play immediately. And that's a question, right? Does he want to keep playing college football? Does he want to turn to KU? Does he want to try and transfer somewhere else and play? Like, there'll be questions for him. And so I think overall, you're looking at that room next season then, being Jalen Daniels, maybe we'll see with. Jason Bean, if he decides to come back to Kansas, great. You've got really good depth there again. If he decides to leave, all of a sudden, you know, QB2 is wide open, and that then comes down due to someone like Ben Easter stick around, right? Ethan Vasco, and then Casey Wiseman being a true freshman. So I think overall, right, you look at the room, you feel pretty good about it, um, not only this year, but I think kind of going forward when you have someone like Jalen Daniels, who if he does live up to maybe what he showed of the three games of last year, right, you feel pretty good about what he's going to bring. I, I'm assuming, uh, I guess, am I right to assume that this would be the only QB you, you would plan to take in the class of 2023, obviously barring, you know, if there are any transfers in the offseason, maybe hit the transfer portal or whatever. But is is that kind of your assumption? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, they, they're closer to not taking quarterback than they are taking two. That's how I'd frame it. Okay. Uh, we're talking with Michael Swain of Fog.net here, so I did want to talk a, a little – you know, this season, KU football with you, um, <laughs> we were, were discussing kind of some Jalen Daniels stuff at the top of the show here. If you had to set right now the over-under for 
passing touchdowns by Jalen Daniels this season, what number would you be looking at? I think I probably would go seven, no, nah, like 16-ish, I think. I, that's off the top of my head. I probably should have done some research before I came on, but I think that's probably where I sit. Can you kind of have one of those kind of high teams and kind of just keep that interception total low? And the reason I say that is the running back room is so good that I feel like that's going to take off some touchdowns to where I don't see this being a, you know, a 20 touchdown, you know, 10 interception type of season for Jalen Daniels. I think it'll be kind of the, the high teams because Kay's going to really try and run the ball and not have not try and be in a lot of shootouts. I think that'd be their, the way they'd want to have it happen. So that's probably the number I'd set it at, but I'd need to look at my numbers because that could be totally off. Yeah, no, it's, it's actually funny you say that because the, the stat line that keeps popping in my head is like 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. And, you know, there's rushing touchdowns. He had three of them last year, so that could get added on as well. Um, but uh, this is less of a, a stat question, but back to kind of what we were talking about at the Open was if Jalen Daniels is a – and we took it a step further. It wasn't even just top half quarterback in the Big 12. We said top six, and we looked back at some of the the total QBRs for the quarterbacks who were in the top six of that stat, how many conference wins their teams won. And for the quarterbacks that finished top six in total QBR in the Big 12 over the last five seasons, their teams averaged five and a half conference wins, essentially. For the quarterbacks who were in the bottom four, their teams averaged like two and a half. And I'm not to say that if Jalen Daniels is the sixth best quarterback, they're going to win five and a half conference games, right? That's uh, a little bit out there. But um, I, I guess if I guaranteed you that Jalen Daniels is a top six quarterback or top half quarterback, however you want to frame it in the Big 12, how would that change your, your expectation for win total versus if he is in that bottom two or three? Well, I think it impacts it a lot. And I think the thing that, Jalen Daniels' numbers are not going to come down to how well Jalen Daniels plays. Because he could play incredible, mm-hmm. and the wide receivers could drop balls. The wide receivers could not get open, right? And so if you're saying that, you're saying the wide receivers are stepping up because they someone's got to catch the ball at the other end of that, right? I think that's almost the question you have going into the season is, can these wide out these young, this young core of guys, can those guys get open? And so if they are getting open and Jalen Daniels plays like that, I mean, this is a team that, you think offensively could be able to put up numbers if Jalen Daniels is able to do that because that'll lighten up the box. All of a sudden, you got guys like Devin Neal, Kai Thomas, Savion Morrison, Daniel Hyshaw running downhill. Like that would have a, a huge impact and kind of send waves throughout the team to where it would make things so much easier on some other kind of position groups. And so I think you could see this team being a, a four conference win team or three conference win team with that. And I think with, you know, okay, so you take that in conference play, right? And then you think about, okay, if he plays like that against Duke and Tennessee Tech, you got two wins there, and then all of a sudden you get three conference wins, and that's five wins. Like, that's that's incredible for year two. Like, the likelihood of that happening, super low. Um, but I still think that if Jalen Daniels plays to that level, you know, I think that that's a huge sign for KU that would be a positive because that means that the big question mark on offense you have, the wide receivers, played well, and that means the offensive line stayed healthy. And so I think Jalen Daniels' level of play is almost – he could play real well and have a really good season in terms of decision-making and the way that he plays and not turning the ball over. But if the offensive line gets banged up and all of a sudden he's taking sacks or the wide receivers can't get open, like – that's a huge impact on kind of the rest of the offense. So I think for Daniels, like, if he puts up those numbers, that's a huge, huge good sign for KU, and I think that does mean a 4-5 a 
I mean, heck, six wins? Like, that just mm. seems weird to say. But, I mean, if he's playing at that level again, you know, that just means so many other things are happening positively for KU. Yeah, and you're 100% right. Like, there's the difference between production and what you are. Like, you know, I, Aaron Rodgers could go out this year and his QBR and his, you know, all his patching, EPA per play, passing metrics – he could finish sixth in the NFL because they don't have Devontae Adams anymore. Maybe they don't have as good of receivers. But, you know, we all know if you're taking a quarterback, like Aaron Rodgers is going to be one of the first two or three guys that you're going to take, even if you finish sixth or seventh in some of those metrics. It's the same way there, basically what you're saying, that, you know, Jalen Daniels could be the fifth-best quarterback but or top-half quarterback or whatever, but, you know, the output might not be there. So you mentioned the receivers. If I were to tell you, that, yeah, Jalen Daniels is a top-half quarterback in the Big 12, but production-wise, the season he's going to put together, the stats are going to be in the bottom two or three of the Big 12. What do you think would be more likely to derail that? Would it be the receiving core just not being ready, or would it be maybe injuries to a offensive line that has some depth questions? That's a really good question because I think my biggest concern going into the season is the depth of the offensive line. He was really, really lucky last year. Um, injury luck is a thing, right? You think about some of the other programs, like I think about that Iowa State season in 2020, right, when they went to the Big 12 saddle game. Like, they didn't have anyone get super hurt, and that's a huge part of it. And so I think about this offensive line group, it could be a middle-of-the-road offensive line in the Big 12, I think, if, like, everything goes well and everyone stays healthy. But if, you know, Earl Bostic, let's just use him as an example, gets hurt, like, you all of a sudden look at your left tackle, like, uh, you're relying on a guy now in Dominic Cooney probably, that was playing at Central Missouri last year, right? Like, that's a pretty big drop-off from someone that's considered a a good Big 12 offensive tackle. So I think, honestly, it would probably be the offensive line that would have the biggest chance of derailing it because as good as Jalen Daniels is at creating plays with his feet, doing things like that, the more hits you take, the more likely you are to get banged up, and then all of a sudden your production as a player goes down. And I think Jalen Daniels hasn't really been the most um, – I mean, heck, look at it, right? As a freshman, he got banged up, and then last year he had to have off-season surgery after he played three games ten seasons. So, you know, he's not necessarily been – he doesn't have a clean bill of health over the last two seasons that he's really played. So I think that you look at the offensive line and the depth and being able to stay healthy with those first five guys being super crucial for KU. Talking with Michael Swain of Fog.net here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Okay, I have some uh, kind of either-ors for you. Who do you think is more likely – to start in week one, Eric Gilliard, the transfer from Central Florida, or Lorenzo McCaskill, the transfer from Louisiana? My, my first answer is neither, um, but I would say that Gilliard probably because been in the system longer, knows everything a lot better. I think that I was really impressed, like a little surprised, honestly, with what Chris Simpson, the linebackers coach, said about Gilliard this week where he was – and again, like sometimes with position coaches, you got to take it with a grain of salt because they're not going to come out and say, yeah, my guys suck, right? That's just not going to happen. This ha- that happens retroactively, right? Where Borland this year is saying, yeah, last year we were down to the bare bones of linebacker. You know, I have to go back and see what he said last year. But yeah, I think probably be Gilliard just because he knows the system, been around, knows what's expected of him. With McCaskill, it's like a just, have you been around long enough to know what you're doing? Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I I was not really like coming into before we, we met with Chris Simpson. I I wasn't really thinking that Gilliard was going to be a starter. And like you said, I I mean, you still have a lot of options there. Uh, Craig Young, I think, is the guy at the Hawk, and and who knows? It could be Taiwan Berryhill or whoever else, right? Rich Miller and stuff. But I I agree. Like after hearing him talk, 
I, I'm starting to wonder, like, uh, he he just hopped so much praise on him, and, and the part that he talked about him, you know, being kind of the guy uh, that he wants other players to emulate in pass coverage, too, like, that was his weakness at UCF, that... I don't know. I, I think I agree with you on that one. Uh, more likely to start week one, Trevor Wilson or Douglas Emelian? I think Trevor Wilson. I think, again, you're looking at a transfer where we're talking midseason, end of season, it's Douglas Emelian. But I think, you know, week one, I think they're going to go with the guys that have been around and can almost, you know, not guarantee you a win over Tennessee Tech, but really put you in a position where you, Nichols State doesn't happen, for example, right? Where. You know, you just want to go with the guys that have been around and then bring those transfers in as the season goes along, right? And the guys that didn't have a spring, Douglas Emelian, Lorenzo McCaskill, Jarrett Paul, I think those guys kind of fall under the same umbrella where you look at camp so far, I think a lot of those guys have been running with the dudes, right? Because for them, it's about can you learn the scheme and learn everything before you go play, you know, for Marvin Grant, go play alongside Kenny Logan, right? Because you don't want Kenny Logan all camp thinking, all right, I got to make sure Marvin Grant's in the right spot, right? Is he, you know, is he here? Is he there? You want Kenny Logan focusing on himself and then bringing him on slowly as the season goes on. So, yeah, I think Trevor Wilson's the starter. More likely to start week one, Jeremy Robinson or Malcolm Lee? You know, Jeremy Robinson, you know, Maybe I'm wrong on this. You look at the production last year, Jeremy Robinson played so fewer snaps than Malcolm Lee and had one more tackle for loss than him. You look at Malcolm Lee, and this is nothing against him, right? You know, he's been around for a long time. He's a sturdy player, but just the production is not there. And then you bring in someone like Jeremy Robinson last year for the limited snaps he got, right? Played in nine games. Um, I think played the 18th most snaps of anyone on defense. But he produced when he was on the field. And I think that so far it sounds like he's had a really good camp, right? He's trimmed down a little bit. He's it sounds like he's performing and turning some heads. And Lance Leipold has put some leadership responsibilities on him. So I think all the signs are there that whether it be week one or week six, that Jeremy Robinson is going to start some games for KU this year. More likely to happen in week one. Kansas wins by 40 or more points or Kansas wins by single digits. 40's a lot. 40's a lot. I, I'd say single digits. I just, 40 points, holy smokes. I mean, that's a, that's a route. I mean, as a, as a writer, I'd take that because I could get my stories done at about <laughs> halftime, but, you know, I just don't know about that. I mean, who did they beat 55 to, to 3 a few years ago? That was like ago. Rhode Island, maybe. Yeah, and they were like, like they were like the Kansas <laughs> of FCS at the right. time. Oh, yeah. Um, if I change that to 30, would you still take the single digits? No, I take 30. Okay. I take 30 because I think, you know, you can look at that being a 44 to 14 type of game. Like, that is realistic. I just don't see a 49 to 9 or, like, you know, something like that happen. Yep. Okay. Uh, last one I got for you. More likely win total, five or one? Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, I had the same reaction. One. Don't worry. <laughs> I have yeah, to challenge you. Yeah. I, I just, you look at, you're playing 11 Power 5 games and. Five wins would just, I just don't see how that happens. Um, you're asking for the best, you're quite literally the best season in a decade. And I think they're just not quite there yet. I think one would be more likely there. Okay. Pessimistic. I see. Um, no, I'm just joking. Oh, sure, sure. I, I'm just joking. <laughs> Michael, I appreciate the time as always, man. You can check out all his work at fog.net. Subscribe before the season. And certainly there will be an update on uh, whatever happens with Case and Wiseman coming up here in about a half hour. Thanks, man. 
Yep, sounds good. We'll talk to you guys later. All right, that's Michael Swain, Fog.net, 24-7 Sports. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Lane Gillespie. I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it.